Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. We're so glad you took time to tune in today, no matter where you're watching, all over uh, this great state of Kentucky or all over the United States. Listen, we are so glad that you tuned in today to worship with us, whether you're watching this on Sunday, maybe you're listening to this uh, sometime throughout the week, it doesn't matter. Just We are so grateful that you took time to tune in and worship with us today. We kick off a brand new series called Kill Joys. And uh, we're going to be talking about what are some things that kill the joy in our lives. And obviously, there's tons of things that can rob you from joy, but we're going to focus on a few things over the several weeks. I'm so excited about it that I really think that the Lord's going to use this to speak into all of our hearts. I know He's already been speaking in my life, just studying for this series that we planned a long time ago, but we really believe that God's going to do something great. You know, our theme verse here at Better Life Church is John 10.10. 10. And John 10.10 10 says this, a thief only comes. He's only there, right? He's only there to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you something about the enemy. Let me tell you something about the devil. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your health. He wants to destroy you. He wants to rob you and steal you from peace. And let me tell you what he really wants to take from you, your joy. He wants to steal joy from you. But Jesus says, I've come that you can have these things, that you can have a real life, eternal life, a, 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 a more life, a better life than you ever, ever dreamed of. And so we're not going to let the devil steal the joy from us anymore. We're not going to let him take or rob us from our peace in our life. And he's going to do everything he can to bring you down. But there's some things we can do to get in position, obviously, to battle against this. And he is seeking to devour you and to devour me. And that's what this series is all about, is how do we have joy in the midst of things that happen in our life? How do we protect ourselves and our family and, and, and your emotions and your heart when the enemy wants to come and rob you of peace and honestly rob you of Joy. So this series called Kill Joys, and you may have saw here in our rolling video that we're going to be looking at the seven deadly sins. Come on now. The seven deadly sins. Now, just so we're on the same page, the seven deadly sins is not a cluster of sins in the Bible. Yes, they're in the Bible, but they're not like the seven deadly sins. I think I've done some research around the fourth century. Some guy came up with these eight thoughts about some of the sins that are really, you know, troublesome to people. And it wasn't to the sixth century to Pope Gregory the first, maybe I think it was, who said, hey, here's kind of what we have today as our seven deadly sins. And over the next several weeks, we're going to take every single one of them and look at them and figure out what's the antidote to those sins so it will not rob you or steal the joy that God wants to have in your life. And today we look at a big one. Man, we look at a big one. I'm telling you, this is a tough one right here. We're going to look at pride. That's right, pride. All sin is rooted in pride. Every sin you ever commit in your entire life is rooted in pride. And let me tell you something about pride. God hates it. Like God hates pride. Let me tell you something about pride. Pride hates God. You see, pride contends for supremacy. Pride wants to build you up. Pride sets itself and sets you up to be in opposition to God, to be an opponent to God. Listen to what James said. He said, God opposes the proud. Think about that. But he gives grace to the humble. He opposes you. He sees you as an opponent when you are prideful. When you have pride in your life. So here's the question. Why does God hate pride so much? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why does God hate, hate pride? 
pride. Well, all sins will lead you away from God. Every time you sin, you take a step away, you take a step away. All sins will lead you away from God, but pride attempts to elevate you above God. That is really key here. Sin will lead you away, yes, from God, but pride tries to elevate yourself for you to become God of your life, that you would be God yourself. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but the devil became the devil because of pride. Now, I know that's a whole theological study background to figure out how, how Lucifer fell and all that stuff, but I want to, we, we get a, a snapshot of what took place, what was in his heart at the time when this all happened in his life. And Isaiah writes in verse chapter 14, verse 13, he's speaking to Satan himself, to Lucifer himself. He says, here's what he says. He said, I said in your heart, this is what he had in his heart. Listen, I will ascend to the heavens. See the word I? I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount Assembly on the utmost heights of a mountain of Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the cloud and I will make myself like God, like the Most High. See, the devil became the devil because of pride in his life. And let me tell you something, God hates pride. But there's something about pride that's very What's the word I'm looking for? Difficult to point out. Pride is very hard to spot. Now, now, now you, you may think, well, I know people are arrogant and prideful. I, I get that. But pride in your own life is very difficult to spot. In fact, a great uh, preacher in the 18th century, Jonathan Edwards, he said this, pride is then the most hidden secret, deceitful of all sin. He said, pride is so hidden and it's so deceitful. It's in us that we don't even see it in our own Live. So what I want to do before we jump into uh, the, the message is I'm going to share with you real quick something that maybe help you begin to evaluate yourself to see if you may have some pride in your life. So if you're ready to get started, say, let's go. Look at the person beside us and let's go. Hopefully very soon, shortly, you're going to be saying that to somebody sitting in this building. Let's go. Now, now, I, I just, just hang tight. I think it's coming soon. So just hang tight. But I'm going to walk you through some things and I want you to look in your own heart and life and say, wow, am I prideful? Two things. One, pride either wants to build you up or tear you down. Let me explain that. Build yourself up or tear yourself down. Maybe the way you build yourself up is there's this self-exaltation. It's where you exalt yourself. It's where you lift your own self up. Let me give you an example. This is where you take credit for everything in your life. This is where you go, you know what, I'm a pretty good, I worked hard to get those degrees. I'm a self-made man. I work hard to have the accolades I have. I work hard to put that food on the table. I've worked hard to provide for my family. This is where you begin to take credit for the good things that's happened in your life. We've all been there, right? No, I, I, I've worked hard to do that. I've worked hard to achieve that. I've worked hard to get those grades. I work hard to get that job or whatever it may be for you. We begin to take credit. And what we do is we want to exalt ourselves. And we do this and we're not even aware that it's even coming off our lips because it's so deceitful and it's so secretive and it's so hidden, so deep within our heart that we don't even see that we're exalting our own self. Look what I have done. Look at what I have built. Look at the things that I have achieved. Sometimes you're around people and you can hear that. Hey, man, you're always exalting yourself. But here's another side of pride too in it is that you have this self-promotion where you begin to promote yourself publicly 
so others can affirm and speak to you and give you credit for what you've done. This is where you begin to tell people things that you have done so they can come back to you and go, yes, look what you have done. You're so good. You're so great. I don't know what would it be without you. I don't know how it would have happened without you. And you say it publicly for a response that you may get. Why? Because you are promoting yourself. You want to see as, as, look what I've achieved, yes, but you want people to affirm it to you. That's right, you did do this. You are good enough. You did work hard. You are, and you fill in the blank, whatever it may be for you. You see, pride is in our hearts, and it comes out when we begin to build ourselves up. And here's the thing, we are not even aware of it. We don't even hear it coming out of our mouth. We don't even think about it because we don't, we, we're not even seeing it because we have blinders on and every one of us have these. This was so convicting when I was going through this and, and, ta- and studying about this for the several weeks that we were planning this series. Something else about pride when it comes to build yourself up is this self-justification. You will begin to justify your works and yourself and see that you deserve fill in the blank. And for some of us, it's, hey, I'm good enough, therefore... I'm gonna to go to heaven or I'm good enough, therefore God likes me. You, you'll hear people say all the time, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but man, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm still pretty good. I'm not as bad as that person or I'm not as bad as that person, but I'm still pretty good. And what they're doing is they're justifying their actions. They're justifying their works. They're justifying themselves. Let me tell you something about pride. Pride will get so deep down in your heart, you won't even be aware of it and you'll begin to self-promote. You'll begin to... Um, Um, self-justified, you'll begin to exalt yourself and you don't even know it. That's why I wanna encourage you, if you got, maybe you're in a small group or or maybe you've got people in your life that you can get around and and you could say, hey, I want you to hear things that come out of my mouth. Am I this? Do I say this? Do I act like this? Do I always respond like this? Because I'm, I'm being honest, we have so many blinders on that we don't see it, but the people who love Jesus, love the church and loves you, Allow them to speak in your life and say, yeah, I hear that a lot in in you. I I hear you say that. I don't want to be mean about it. I just want you to know because I'm trying to get rid of the pride that's in our heart. Now, some of you would say, well, that's pretty pretty easy to spot, right, when someone's arrogant. Well, let me tell you something about pride that I learned 10 years ago in a very, very dark time in my life is that there's a two-headed dragon when it comes to pride. There's the other side of the coin when it comes to pride. It's not building yourself up, it's tearing yourself down. And when you begin to tear yourself down, that is evident in your heart. Listen, that pride is there. Just like there's self-exaltation, exalting yourself, there's also self-degradation. Where you begin to degrade yourself and you tear yourself down. This is where that negative self-talk comes. This is where when you begin to look at everybody else on social media and goes, well, I'm just not a good mom like they're a good mom. Or you're a dad go, well, I don't always travel and take my kids on trips like they take their kids on trip. And you begin to degrade yourself and your actions and who you are as a person because of all everything's going around you and you'll begin to think really bad about yourself. I'm no good, I'm not good enough, I will never be, fill in the blank. Have we all not been there? every single one of us, and we had this negative self-talk so bad about ourselves, degrade and degrade and degrade, and listen to me, listen to me, that's rooted in pride. And we, I'm speaking to myself, are not even aware of it. And this will kill your joy 
Some of you are wondering right now, why I'm not as joyful as I should be. Well, maybe if you just look at the negative self-talk that you have about yourself and how you degrade yourself, that you are not good enough. And this is what you say inside, but it moves from being degrading yourself inside to demoting yourself publicly. You'll hear people do this. I've done this and I didn't mean to do this. When you say things like this, you'll begin to talk how bad you are at things so that someone will come to your rescue and affirm you to say, no, you're pretty good at it. This is where you begin to say things, you know, I'm just, I'm just no good at, at this, at whatever it is, fill in the blank. I'm just no good at this because you're hoping for a response that someone would speak back on. Yes, you are. Well, I'm just not a good mom. You know, if I was a better mom, I would just, I would be like this. And you say that around moms, so they'll come and say, you're the best mom ever. You're the role model of the mom. You're the best mom they can be. But you're saying it because you want the affirmation for them to speak in your life. Or you're the guy going, you know, I'm just not a good manager. I'm not a good boss. If I was just a better boss, and then your people around you are going, what do you mean a better boss? You're the best boss ever. I love you. And how you lead us, and it's so good. But you say that because you're wanting a response to affirm where you've been degrading yourself. Now you demote yourself publicly. And listen to me, that's a dark, dark side of pride. And most people are not even aware of it. I know. I've been there. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm talking about me walking through this. Like, this is, I wasn't the arrogant look at me. I was like, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good preacher. I'm not, I'm not a good leader. There's no way I can start a church. There's no way I could lead a church. And I'm no good just so that someone will come to the rescue and say, yes, you can do this. God's told you to do this. You can do this. Not even being aware that really it's pride in my heart looking for the affirmation from people to affirm me as I degrade myself as I demote myself, that's what I'm looking for. And then, honestly, maybe you've been there and you get into it, then you start to condemn yourself. You start to condemn yourself and you judge yourself harshly of the things that happened in your past or from your own standards. You begin to replay your past performances. Well, there was that time I wasn't that good at that. And you begin to play and you condemn yourself. I'm not good enough. I disqualify myself or I can't be. And you, and you replay all your past failures till you beat yourself up so bad that now you walk around with shame. And you've not even told anybody. And you wonder why you don't have joy. You wonder what the enemy is trying to do to steal your joy. He will speak lies into you to exalt yourself, to promote yourself, to justify yourself. He will speak lies into you to degrade yourself, to demote yourself, to condemn yourself. And now you're sitting in this endless vicious cycle over and over and over. Now you're sitting going, how do I fix it? How do you, how do you fix it? See, that's why he wants to steal, kill, and destroy and if he can puff you up or allow you to think and tear yourself down and build yourself up and tear yourself down, he will sit here and go, you know what? At least they won't be joyful. At least they won't have peace. And maybe I can rob them of that. Do you know what all these have in common? Building yourself up or tearing yourself down. You know what this all has in common? Self-preoccupation. What do you mean by that? because we're always preoccupied about ourselves. It's always how I feel, what I want, when I want, how I look, what people think about me. Do they love me? Do they affirm me? Do they care about me? What do you hear there? Me, 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 me. I'm so preoccupied about me. I'm so preoccupied about how I fit and how I feel. It's all about me, and that's where pride 
stinks, sticks his ugly head in our lives because pride wants you to always be the center of attention, whether it's good and you're promoting and building yourself up or where it's bad where you're degrading and pushing yourself down. Pride wants to be the center of attention in your life and pride will kill your joy. So how do you fix this? Like how, how can proud people ever become humble? Like how does this work then? How does this happen? Well, there's real, real quick, there's, there's a thing. There's something that God can and will do, but then there's something that you have to do. Because some of you right now are going, man, I'm a Christian, man. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm saved. And now listen to you say that. Oh my gosh, I'm always degrading myself. I'm always demoting myself. I'm always condemning myself. Or you're like, oh my goodness, I'm always the center of attention. I'm always exalting myself. I'm always, and maybe you go, oh my gosh, I just realized this and I'm a Christian and I don't want to be this way. How do you fix this? What do you do? Well, the good news is that God gives us victory through his son, Jesus. So let me share with you what God wants to do, what God can do, and what God will do if you allow him in your life. So let me walk you through this real quick. Here's what God can do and what will do and what God wants to do. is this, God saves me. God will save me. God will save you. If you'll put your faith and trust in him, he will save you and he will rescue you from your sin in your life. The glory of God will crash at one or two places, hell or the cross. You will spend eternity in hell where you'll pay for your sins or you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus on the cross where Jesus paid for all of your sins. But God is gonna get glory some way, some form through this. In fact, it was the cross where God justified you to forgive you of all your sins. Paul writes in Romans 4, but people are counted as righteousness, not because of their good works, not because of their, but because of their faith, who God forgives sinner. You don't see that you even need a savior in your life. If you've got to the point where you're going, man, I don't, I don't need church, I don't need Jesus, I don't need, I don't need a savior. You know why you say that? It's because you're blinded by pride. The moment you say, I don't need God. I don't need God to help me. I don't need God to fix this. I don't need God to come through. You are blinded by pride. But if you've, put, if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen to me, you're an opponent. You're an enemy of God. You're already on the wrong side. And the reason why is because the devil has blinded you with pride. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians 4. Listen to what he says. Satan who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who's the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. It's not about me. Paul says it's not about me as a communicator or preacher. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are beneath him. We submit to him. We are his servants for Jesus' sake, for God who said, let there be light and darkness has made this light shine. How? In our hearts. He opened up our hearts. He saved us so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus. It's because the God of this world has blinded you with pride. And it's through the foolishness of preaching the gospel 
what Paul says, we preach the light, the gospel, and it's the gospel that pricks your heart and breaks the pride in your heart to bring you to your knees to go, I need a savior to forgive me of my sins. And until that moment happens, you're blinded by pride from the devil in your life and in my life. You see, those who see the cross rightly will see themselves rightly. When we see him on the cross, we will see our sins and how he has forgiveness of our sins. So let me tell you what God will do to help you through pride. He'll save you. He'll save you. Now, here's what Sammy's saying. Well, I'm saved, but I still struggle with pride. We'll keep walking this out. Here's the second thing God will do. He purifies you, and he purifies me. God wants to purify your heart, and he wants to purify your life. And let me tell you something. You ready for this? It won't happen quickly like you can in a microwave. It's going to take you the rest of your entire life for God to make you like his son, Jesus. The rest of your life, he is going to be working on you. Remember that song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be? That's a very, that's a, the fancy word for that is called sanctification, where God is sanctifying me, where God is purifying me in my life. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, so all of us who have had the veil removed. Did you see that? We were blinded by the enemy, but God, because of the gospel being preached, removed the veil. And for all of us who have put our faith in Jesus, who have the veil removed, you can see and reflect the glory. Men are so good to reflect. We can reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us, watch this, more and more and more and more like Jesus, as we are changed, this is sanctification, as we are sanctified into his glorious image, little by little, step by step, God wants to purify you and make you like Jesus. Are you gonna be there instantly when you give your life to him? Absolutely not. It's been 22 years for me, and he's still working on me. He's still doing things in my life. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not who I'm going to be as he continues to make me into the image of Christ. Every trial, every test, every storm, every success in your life, little by little, is going to make you more and more and more like Jesus. So before he saved you, that's where we get this word conversion, for you were converted. Before he saved you, the reason why you sin is because it was in your nature. That's why you've got to be born again. It's just your nature to sin. But after you give your life to Jesus when you sin, James says it's because you choose to. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, you know why you sin? You choose to. James tells us in chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, that temptation comes, it's enticing. Why? Because of you and your heart. And when it fully conceives, you actually give in and you commit it because you choose to do this. But now God's given us the Spirit as he purifies us and we yield, when we're yield, we're filled. And now we can walk in what? Self-control. We can walk in gentleness and love. We can walk this out where pride doesn't have to take complete control of our life. So God will save you and God will purify you. And here's the third thing God will do. God will transform you. And God will transform me. This is the theological term we would call glorification. Well, they're going to come someday that I'm going to be with him in glory. It may when he calls me home or it may when that great trumpet sounds and he descends and he come gets his bride. 
Either way, at that moment, I will be fully made known. I would be fully glorified in the Lord. John writes like this, chapter 3, 1 John 3. So how very much our Father loves us. You see how much He loves us? He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize. Why? Because they're blinded. That we are God's children because they don't know Him. So dear friends, we are already God's children, but He has not shown us what we will be when Christ appears. I don't know what we'll be like when Christ appears, but here's what we do know. But we do know we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. We will be like him. We won't be a God, but we will be like him. That's when we're fully glorified. And all who have this eager expectation, when you're expecting that God will make you like his son, Watch this, when you know that, when you hold that, when you believe that, when you're convicted by that, the expectation, you'll keep yourself pure. Just as he was pure. You'll keep yourself holy. You'll keep yourself set apart. Why? Because you have the great expectation that he's making you more like Jesus and he will glorify you when that moment comes. I love that verse one says who we are. Verse two says what we shall be, but verse three says what we should be now while we're waiting for him. So here's my question, what can we do? God will save you, God will purify you, and ultimately God will transform you. What a great day that would be. In fact, Lord Jesus, come now. Like, come on now. Come get your church today. Come on back for us now and get us. That's gonna be a glorious, glorious day. God will do that if you'll choose. But what do you do? But what can you do to rid yourself from the pride that kills your joy in your life? Well, this could actually be a whole entire sermon, but I'm not gonna preach another whole message to you because I've got nine minutes to finish this up. But in 1 Peter chapter five, this is, an, this is an unbelievable message. He can walk you right through this and show you what do you wanna do to get rid of the pride in your life. And let me tell you something, it won't happen overnight. Little by little, step by step, test, storm, trials, we fall, we get back up. Test, storm, trot, we fall, we get back. Little by little, he will begin to make you more like Jesus. Listen to what Peter writes. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Here's the first thing you've got to do is you've got to clothe yourself in humility. Like you've got to wrap yourself. In fact, it literally means to put on. Put on humility. Did you know you can do that? You can put on humility. Have you ever thought about it? You can put on humility. If you want to whip pride and get pride out of your life, the first step you've got to do is start to clothe yourself in humility. And here's something about humility. It's a choice. You get to choose if you want to humble yourself. You get to choose to wrap yourself in humility. For he goes on and says, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you humble yourself, God will give you grace. So what does he say in verse six? So humble yourself, how? Under the mighty power of God. Here's the second thing, you gotta humble yourself. You have to choose to say, God, you're the Lord, I'm not the Lord. You're the boss, I'm not the boss. I'm gonna believe what you said about me, no matter what my thoughts say about me, no matter what the world says about me, no matter what people say about me, doesn't matter what they think about me. My affirmation don't come from them, my affirmation comes from you, God. So I'm gonna submit myself, I'm, it's a military turn. It means to place yourself into rank. 
I'm gonna submit and place myself into rank under your lordship. You're the Lord, I'm not the Lord. You're the king, I'm not the king. So I'm gonna humble myself. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll marry who you want me to marry. I'll buy what you want me to buy. I'll invest in what you want to invest. I'll date who you want me to date. I'll take whatever job you want me to take. It's all up to you. I submit to you. That's humility. That's how you humble yourself under his mighty hand because it's mighty. Because if you don't humble yourself, he will humble you. God will humble you. And at the right time, he goes on and says, watch this. And here's what we want. This is what pride wants. And this is how God says you get it. At the right time, I'll exalt you. I'll lift you up and honor you. You don't have to self-promote yourself. You don't have to demote yourself so people can lift you up. I will lift you up. I will exalt you. You just trust me. If you'll just clothe yourself in humility. If you will just humble yourself, I will lift you up. Now, this one's a big one. This one's gonna get a little, little this is one we're gonna focus on that you need to talk through and just work through your own life. Verse seven, he says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Your translation may say, cast all your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. What is he saying here? Peter said, worry and anxiety is rooted in pride. Because you are trying to control something that's completely out of your control. Like right now, going on with the, with the COVID stuff right now in your life, no matter where you're watching across the world, there's so many people think if they just worry enough that they won't get it. Like as, as, if, as, if, as if in worrying is gonna keep you from getting a virus. So I'm gonna worry, 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 worry. And if I worry enough, maybe God will say, oh my gosh, have pity on their heart. They worry so much, virus, stay away. We worry about things we cannot control. And that is rooted in pride because at the end of the day, I'm preaching to myself, it's because we're trying to be God and we're trying to control the outcome. Maybe if I worry enough about my kids at school, if I worry, 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 and worry, then they'll stay protected. As if you can do that. If I worry enough about this illness that the doctor said, if I just worry, 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 worry enough, maybe it'll go away. So instead of praying, I worry. Instead of praying, I'm anxious. Why? Because I think if I do it, I will control the outcome. And Peter says, no, 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 no. That's rooted in pride. You've got to say, God, here it is. Here's my kids. God, here's my health. God, here's my marriage. God, here's the things I can't control. God, he, they said, here's the, I can't control what's going on. I only can know what I can do. If you can change what you can change, then change it. If you can't, Peter says, cast it. God, it's yours. What is that a picture of? Humility. I can't fix it. I can't change it. So God, I will surrender it and give it to you. Cast your worries on him. Cast your anxieties upon him by clothing yourself in humility and staying humble. And then he goes on and says this, verse eight, stay alert. This is where we fall. We don't stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. And what does he say? If you want to get rid of this pride and, and you want to stay humble, you better stay alert because he's going to lie to you to build you up or tear you down and you're going to believe it. You're going to get to it. It's going to speak those lies in your mind. So you better stay alert. Verse nine, stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. You see that? We got to stand firm. How do we stand firm? With the truth. 
This is what the truth says. I can't worry about this, so God, I give it to you. I can't control this, so I give it to you. So I'm gonna stand firm in my faith and be strong in it. And then he says, if that's not enough, remember. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the exact same kind of suffering. And here, here, here's what Peter wants you to know. You're not alone. You're not the only one that builds yourself up and you're not aware of it. You're not the only one that tears yourself down. You're not the only ones going through this suffering. You're not the only ones dealing with worry and anxiety because when that happens, what does pride say? Well, nobody else struggles like me. No one goes through what I go through. No one thinks like me. No one has the problems of me. And what we do, we throw ourselves our own pity party, preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself. I understand that. And we throw our own selves up here. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. What does that come from? Pride because it's all about me. And when it becomes all about me, you give yourself a foothold for the devil to make it a stronghold in your life, and it will radically kill your joy. So what do we do? What's the antidote to pride? Humility. Humility, and it's your choice. And if you don't humble yourself, God will humble you. He opposes the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. Pride puts you in opposition to God, but humility puts you in a position to depend upon God. And he wants you to depend on him in every area of your life. Every area of your life. He wants you to depend on him. You may have heard it said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And what we need to do, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes more that we receive the glory of God and we will be in all of Him instead of in all of ourselves. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're focused on, is ourself. And we can't think of ourselves less unless we think about something else more. So how do I get my mind off of me and focus on Him? Sounds so simple yet so hard to do, and that is to keep your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of your faith. To humble yourself is to get in a posture of position, to get in God's word, let God speak into your life, and you crowd to him and you talk to him and you give him your concerns, you give him your cares, you give him your anxieties, and he will take that from you. But if you think you can do it on your own and you don't talk to God about it and you don't need his word to guide you in it, God's like, okay, I will oppose the proud, but I will give grace to the humble, which means this, it is your choice. And my hope for you is that you would choose humility and clothe yourself in humility so that pride will not steal your joy. I'm gonna ask you just for a moment, if you can, just to bow your head. Maybe you're driving, so don't bow your head, but you're listening just, just for a moment. And I want you to think about this. You don't have to let pride steal your joy anymore. Pride does not have to steal your joy anymore. You can take steps today to remove and eradicate the pride in your life. The first step you need to take, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're blinded by the enemy. He, makes, he wants you to believe that you don't need a Savior and that you're okay. Listen to me. 
based on the scriptures, based on the gospel. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. There is none righteous. There is none perfect. And you need a savior. And I beg you today, if you want to eradicate pride from your life, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. And you can do that by calling on his name. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And right where you are right now, you can give your life to Jesus by crying out to him and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I surrender and I give my life to you. Forgive me of all my sin. Now help me follow you for the rest of my life. And just in a moment, Hosha is gonna come out and give you a number that you can text. We're all about helping you take your next steps at Better Life Church. If that's you, give your life to Jesus. Maybe the other step that you need to take today is you realize I need to humble myself. I just realize I'm always promoting myself. I'm either always demoting myself. I'm always condemning myself. I'm always judging myself. You know what? I'm always looking for things from other people. Maybe that the Holy Spirit has brought that to your mind and you realize that these are some things, listen, that you need to work on. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. So now what's gonna happen, you're gonna, the the Lord has pointed some of this out and the devil's gonna come and say, oh, you're such a bad person. I can't believe you exalt yourself. Oh, you're such a bad person. I can't believe you demote yourself. You always talk about how you're not a good dad. You're not a good mom. You're not a good boss. Woe is you. And listen, he's gonna use what the spirit wants to speak and free you from to turn it against you right now. Don't let him. Don't let him. Say, Lord, thank you that you revealed this to me. I am sorry that I let pride enter into my life this way. And today I'm going to start taking steps to work and humility and clothe myself in righteousness. And maybe that's you and your step to take. And maybe what I'd like for you to do right now, if you have time, if you're able to, if you, everybody just look back up, open your eyes, just look back up. I just want you to go around. If you're maybe in a watch party together, you've got some friends or family, maybe it's just husband and wife, maybe it's just you and your kids and you're watching this. I want you to ask yourself this question. I just want you to take just a few seconds here and maybe just share one thing that came from this. You don't have to get into it, but what's one thing you need to change to start practicing humility in your life right now? Like what's one thing that maybe through this message, God spoke to your life. What's one thing that you can begin to change right now And really, it's a mindset. You need to be beginning to change what you think about something. What mindset do you need to change right now for you begin to practice humility in your life? So let's take a few moments there and just ask yourself that question. All right, Connie, I know you were sitting there, you were, you were thinking about this, you're, you're, you're processing through, I know I was as well. Uh, what's one thing uh, 
uh, as you were kind of thinking through this, that, that you can apply to your life right now, this week, uh, to begin uh, practicing humility. Right. I, I know that if I think about some things I struggle with, um, the first thing that comes to mind is like uh, I'm always comparing myself to other people. And I think this is not just me. I think a lot of women uh, tend to uh, criticize themselves. And so the comparison is the beginning of um, triggering like negative self-talk in me. And so I think that and then that triggers the pride. And then um, so that's it's, it's it's a vicious cycle. And so maybe recognizing when I'm starting to compare things and then removing myself from that that situation, whether it's just not looking at social media, which is a huge source of comparison for women and people in general. um, Just something like that where just to be, I think awareness is the beginning of the process of changing things. You have to be aware of it first before you can change anything. You know, I, you mentioned social media. I know that's a that's a big thing, right? And I've heard people say that, you know, like social media, that's kind of like your, if you take the time to post it, um, and I can see, I've seen negative things on there too, obviously, but but when you post it, you're posting your highlight, right? Sure, absolutely. And, and when you mentioned that, I thought about this, and I know you guys, you can't see this. Uh, this this uh, studio that we're in, this looks awesome, what the shot is, but if you could see what we see right now, like there's literally stuff hanging everywhere, and it's, it is not this clean, nice Look. We're just showing the pretty picture. That's right. That's right. right. And so social media, I mean, that, that we show the pretty picture, right? We show that. Uh, you know, for me, I was just thinking there, um, it's all about perspective. For me, if I can think about things the right way, then everything falls out. But so many times, and this is what this is what Satan wants to do. He wants to, he doesn't always fully change things. It's just a, it's just a little twist, right? Just a little distortion. And so for me, I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't plan way out. Connie knows what she's going to do like two months from now. And years from now? <laughs> yeah. But like for me, I'm always in my day, I'm thinking through all the things that I need to do, want to do, all that kind of stuff. And so for me, the one, the first thing that came to mind was, was leaving room for God. Like, God, you're in control. God, what do you want to accomplish today? It's hard to do, Adam, when yeah. you're a planner. Yeah, it's a very, that's very difficult. Uh, and so you, to me, it's just that, it's just that little twist to say, God, Keep my eyes and ears open to see what you want to do. Don't be so so locked into getting from point A to point B to point C or whatever the things that you let basically you, you leave time for God. And so realizing that this isn't about me. That's the humility. That's where that comes in for me. It's not about me. It's not about what I want to do, but God allowing you to work through me. That's right. I love that. And Pastor Daniel there at the end, he, he, he said this, and this is the first thing. I, I love the scripture he talked about that, that literally, if you've not given your life to Christ, you are blinded by pride. And so um, I just want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, um, the next step for you is, is just to let somebody know. If you're sitting in a watch party right now, let somebody in your watch party know. Maybe there's someone in your family who you know that that you know they've been praying for you, that they've been encouraging you to get in church, those kind of things. Let them know. But we would also want we also want to know too. Once again, we don't want to know just so that we can mark something down or check something off. We want to celebrate with you. This is such a huge next step. We want to put resources in your hand. We want to come alongside of you to help you walk this out the rest of your life. So here, right now, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, SAVED, to our text line 606-268-9436. Like, like uh, Pastor Adam said, this is something we want to celebrate with you. And we can even send you a Bible if you don't have that. We want that in your hands That's so right. that you can get, grow closer to Jesus every day. And salvation is one next step, but there are so many. And right. our job as your church, your church, 
is to be able to help you walk through all those next steps and help you each day, whether you know it's, it's a tiny step or a huge step, just to grow in that step, in that relationship with Jesus. And so we want to be able to do that, um, whatever your next step is and whatever we can do to help you in that process. And so um, check out our next steps on our website. Um, betterlife.church slash next steps and whatever we can do to help you in that please reach out to us and let us know we love to celebrate each next step with you and help you grow in whatever that step is for your life right now that's right and even that in of itself is a is a uh, step we can take uh, in humility right understanding you know Connie I know this may come as a little bit of surprise to you but I'm not perfect right? I am shocked yeah. I'm shocked right, so, so just recognizing that I still have some improvement to make that that um, there is a next step for me to take, more growth for me to happen. That is a step of humility. And so uh, just taking, just acknowledging, hey, there's a next step for me to take. Uh, maybe going and looking at those next steps, maybe just asking God, what step do you want me to take? Is there someone I need to forgive, someone that I need to apologize to? Um, those are all next steps. And, and like I said, that's the mission of our church, to help you follow Jesus. And, and we truly believe that when you're following Jesus, it's a better life. And that you will never run out of next steps until you die. Right. Like it's always a continual process. You'll never reach the end. And and to be aware of that now, but because it's such a long process, we are here to help you throughout the whole journey. And right. it's exciting for us. Well, guys, um, once again, we said this earlier, but thank you so much for all of you who support uh, us each and every week. If you would like to give to support uh, the ministry of Better Life Church, you can go to betterlife.church slash give now. And uh, remember, you don't give to the church, you give through the church, and your giving is making an impact all throughout our region. Guys, we are so excited, um, whether this is Sunday or any other time of the week, that we get to spend this time with you and celebrate and learn more about Jesus and grow closer to Jesus. And we are so excited to be able to do this again right here next week. We would love for you to join us again next week. See you later.